0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rambling Brews Podcast, hosted by yours truly. I do go by the name Tim, and as you can probably tell by the sound of my voice through your ears right now, I'm fired up. You know why? Because it's early May, the National Hockey League playoffs are upon us, and honestly, you can just sense it. Just walk outside, you can tell. Something's in the air. It's great. I mean, my wife and I were outside today. It was like 70 something degrees in Pittsburgh. The weather this time of year is awesome. Uh, we were outside. My daughter's birthday's coming up. She's going to be three years old in a couple of weeks. That's so hard to believe how fast time flies. But we were setting up an inflatable bounce house uh, for her birthday and my neighbors are probably looking out the window like, what the hell is he doing? But all their kids are gonna to want to play on it. We got some family coming into town. Our friends are bringing their kids over, so uh, my daughter's gonna have a blast, and, and all the kids will have fun on her birthday. But she's uh, we get the we get the inflatable bounce house set up. My daughter's bouncing around, having a blast. Uh, my son's over there in the wagon. My wife's out there. We're just hanging out outside, and a couple cores lights were flowing for me, and I treated it like the rock. Honestly, I just closed my eyes, looked up, and put my head up in the air, and I just went. smell what the rock was cooking man i could smell the playoffs were coming it was time to throw on my penguin sweater wear gym shorts crush beers like a brita filter it was going to be awesome i just you know i i was so excited uh to 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 record this podcast tonight and like i said it's saturday i'm recording this podcast on saturday i don't know when the podcast is going to drop uh either sunday night or monday morning but depending on how quick i can get it edited And uh, I was just thinking all day, I can't wait to break down all these series. I can't wait for the matchups, the different little stories. So we're going to dive into all that. We got some other little nuggets from around the NHL we're going to dive into, some retirements and things of that nature. Also, the NFL draft was this week, and the Pittsburgh Steelers selected the pride of the University of Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett, much to the chagrin of me, a West Virginia University grad. But honestly, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan for life. I have been forever. So I'm excited to see what Kenny can bring. He's got big shoes to fill. Uh, A lot of people I've seen online are already comparing him to Dan Marino, who the Steelers passed up on a Hall of Fame quarterback in 1983, who also went to Pitt uh, for alleged drug issues. Uh, I don't want to get into that, but we'll see. I mean, it, it might be unfair to Kenny Pickett to try to try to put that on him. You know, he's got big shoes to fill already with Ben Roethlisberger. Um, and we'll see, we'll see what he can do. I'm pulling for Kenny as a Steelers fan. I'm hoping to hoping for the best, but we'll dive into that a little bit and we'll talk some other stuff. I can't wait to get into it all, but before I get started any further, it's the NHL playoffs. It's time for a beer. Let's go. I had to take a big extra sip because it's the cup, right? Uh, for sure. You remember those commercials? The Because it's the cup. I wish they would bring those back. Those were awesome. They had some parody ones where they would, uh, you know, it would be like, because it's the cup and they would go on about how Philadelphia was never going to win it and stuff like that. I got to post that. Um, I got to get my social media manager, <laughs> my my wife to post that. And speaking of my wife, I don't know if you guys can hear this upstairs right now where my wife is. I'm downstairs in the man cave recording this podcast. My son actually just woke up. So I'm recording this Saturday night. And my son just woke up and he's crying up there and she's taking care of him. She's the best. Unbelievable. I'm so I'm so blessed to have her in my life. And honestly, she she gets on me about these podcasts all the time. She's always like, when are you recording? When are you editing? When are you dropping the podcast? I don't know if she wants to listen to it or she wants to get rid of me. But you know, for you guys able to listen to this podcast right now, she's making it all possible. She's up there taking care of my son. He's fired up. My daughter is uh, sleeping. So obviously, my son's a little more fired up for the NHL playoffs right now, but You know, so if you uh, you know Sarah, reach out to her on Instagram, Twitter. Um, Actually, I don't even think she has Twitter. She doesn't get on it, Uh, or text message or whatever. Just shoot her a message and tell her thanks that you're able to listen to this podcast because she lets me record it here um, down in the man cave and and be able to spew my nonsense to you guys. So swig a beer for Sarah. She's probably gonna kill me for this, but I had to do it. I guess we should jump right in, honestly. Uh, The Eastern Conference playoffs, a lot of great matchups right now. Uh, I can't wait to dive into it. And before I even get into anything, you know, I've mentioned on previous episodes and last time when I talked with Ray that basically since U.S. Thanksgiving, the Eastern Conference playoff teams have been decided. I mean, the season just ended. The other night, the Washington Capitals secured the second wild card spot. They had 100 points. It's the first time in NHL history that all eight teams that uh, clinched a playoff berth had over 100 points. Uh, so I guess it would have been like all teams that clinched a playoff berth because I know in the past they didn't always do eight teams, I don't believe. But at any rate, every playoff team in the Eastern Conference had over 100 points, and the first team out was the New York Islanders, and they had 84 points. So it's just been an absolute dummying by the teams that are in the playoffs uh, versus the teams that are on the outside looking in this year. And it made it a little bit uninteresting down the stretch there because it was just really seeding that they were trying to decide. Unlike the Western Conference, there was a couple uh, spots still open down to the wire there, which we'll dive into. But the Eastern Conference playoffs, they've got some great matchups, like I said, and obviously I'm a Penguins fan, so I'm excited for the uh, the matchup against the New York Rangers we'll dive into in a minute. But I think the, the the series I'm most excited for outside of that is the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Keep in mind that the Tampa Bay Lightning have won the last two Stanley Cups. They won the bubble championship in 2020 up in Canada, and they won last year. They've been an absolute wagon. Uh, shout out to Julianne Brisbois and Steve Eiserman before him, before he left and went to Detroit to become the general manager there. Uh, just laying the groundwork, setting that team up for success for many years to come. And obviously it helps to get guys late in, in the draft, like Nikita Kucherov, who other teams passed up on. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky, obviously coming into his own and becoming the best goaltender in the show. Um, you know, just unbelievable drafting and development by the Tampa Bay Lightning. And we'll see if they can go for three straight. Uh, it hasn't been done since the 80s, I don't believe, uh, since the Islanders did it when the Islanders won four straight. So we'll see if that can happen. It's obviously a lot tougher in this day and age. Uh, there's more, more teams, more games, more skill, I think, in the NHL than there was back in the 80s. Not a knock on them, uh, but I think anybody would probably tell you that, even the guys that played back then. Uh, The season series this year, the Tampa Bay Lightning and Toronto Maple Leafs split it 2-2. Just unbelievable high-flying games, lots of scoring chances, lots of goals. I mean, one of the games, neither one of these teams are ever out of a game, especially against each other. One of the games back in, uh, I want to say it was in like March, the Tampa Bay Lightning were down 5-1. Uh, I believe after the first period, they ended up coming back winning seven, six in overtime over the Maple Leafs. And obviously it, it was like the sky was falling up in Toronto and in Canada when that happened, but that can happen in this series. So if you're watching this series and you see a game three, nothing the first period, do not turn it off. Uh, I guarantee you, it's going to be electric the whole time. Great chances. Uh, just unbelievable. What this, what these two teams were able to do. And the Maple Leafs average 3.8 goals per game this year. Obviously that's uh driven by Austin Matthews the best American born player of all time when it's all said and done in my opinion the best goal scorer in American history probably the best goal scorer in Maple Leaf history might be the best Maple Leaf of all time when it's all said and done who had 60 tucks this year. I know on previous episodes we talked about he was on the um you know the the, the drive to get 60 and I thought for a minute there he might get 70 he was so hot. Uh, just buzzing, putting the puck in the net. But he set out a couple of games with a little minor injuries here and there, getting some rest. Obviously, they were in the playoffs already. You want to stay fresh as much as you possibly can be for the playoffs and not push for more goals in the regular season. But still, swig beer for Austin Matthews, getting 60 tucks in the National Hockey League. That's the most since 07-08 when Ovechkin had 65. So scoring's way up right now. It's good for the NHL. I think they have like 10 or 11 guys over 100 points this year. Just remember back a couple years ago, I think like Marty San Luis no, or Jamie Band or somebody won the scoring title with like 87 points. So it's way better to have uh, guys over 100 and young guys as well. You know, a lot of personality, a lot of flair, a lot of flash. Uh, it's great for the NHL in my opinion. Um, and, and I did mention the Leafs, they average 3.8 goals per game. I did want to point out the Tampa Bay Lightning average 3.48 goals per game. So they're right behind them, right on their heels. Going to be a high flying series. Uh, the biggest difference, obviously, is goaltending. Andre Vasilevsky is the best goaltender in the NHL. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago he came in uh, and replaced Ben Bishop in the 2016 Eastern Conference Final against the Penguins whenever Bishop went down with an injury. and Obviously, the Penguins lit him up, ended up winning the series in seven, uh, one game five and seven on the road, and obviously went on to win the Stanley Cup. But you could see it then that Vasilevsky had it. He had the answer. He was a goaltender of the future for them. Ben Bishop moved on that offseason, and they haven't looked back. They really have. And Andre Vasilevsky has taken the reins. He's the best goaltender in the NHL, like I said, and probably not even close. I mean, you know, Igor Shusterkin for the Rangers is probably going to win the Vezina trophy this year. Uh, He maybe had a little bit of a better season uh, statistically than Andre Vasilevsky did. But honestly, if you look at Vasilevsky's body of work, he's won two straight Stanley Cups. He has not lost back to back games. In either one of those runs, and the last five times the Tampa Bay Lightning have been able to close out a series in the playoffs, Vasilevsky's pitched a shutout. So Swigglebeer for Vasilevsky. I look for him to be nothing less than spectacular in this, in this playoff series, and he's going up, uh, going up against Soupy, the guy they call Soupy, Jack Campbell. Uh, we'll see what he can do. So Swigglebeer for Vasilevsky before we dive into Campbell a little bit. Campbell, I mean... He had a hell of a season, Uh, first half of the season, I should say. He was an all-star. The second half of the season, he battled some injuries, fell off the face of the earth pretty much a little bit statistically, Uh, just was brutal, cost the uh, Maple Leafs a couple games. So what version of Campbell are you going to get in the playoffs? That's what you got to wonder if you're a Maple Leafs fan. And either way, I think Jack Campbell on his best day is not going to outperform Andre Vasilevsky on his worst day. So we'll see what happens. Um, But I do think the Maple Leafs have a good chance to win this series. And I have picked the Maple Leafs to win this series in seven games. That might surprise you. I think Toronto is going to get over the hump. First time they're going to win a playoff series since 2004. I think Austin Matthews is going to lead the way. Uh, Mitch Marner had 96 points this year. Hell of a season. Uh, They had 13 guys reach a career high in points this year. The Maple Leafs did so. You know they got a lot of depth scoring. They got Engvall scoring. They got Camp scoring. Uh, Wayne Simmons adding some you know grit and toughness. I'm sure he's going to battle with Patrick Maroon. We saw them have some battles over the last couple weeks um, and get some misconducts and trash talking and all that talking in the media, things like that. They actually fought the other night, um, and, and it was a pretty good fight. So we'll see. I mean, I don't think the the toughness is really going to play a role in this in this series as much as people might think uh you know like last year with or the last two years I guess with uh Tampa Bay adding some grit and some toughness kind of pushed them over the edge but that's not the way Toronto plays and I don't think it's really going to help Tampa to play that way they're going to want to trade chances they're going to want to play as much sound defense as they possibly can obviously uh Victor Hedman being the you know probably the best D-man in the NHL um over the last couple years for Tampa is a huge huge factor here but I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you guys are listening to this right now, and all the things I'm talking about probably should uh, have me leaning towards Tampa Bay winning, but I think Tampa Bay is going to run out of gas. I really do. I think Tampa Bay, they played a lot of hockey the last couple years. I know the Penguins, they won two straight Stanley Cups in 16-17. They ran out of gas that that third time going for the three-peat against the Washington Capitals. Uh, A hungry team overtook them. Uh, I think a hungry team like the Maple Leafs, they they sense the opportunity here. Um, 115 point season. I think it was one of the best, if not the best, season in Maple Leaf history. Obviously, I mentioned all those guys that contributed and played unbelievably well this year, led by Austin Matthews and 60 goals. and And I think they're going to get it done. I really think they're going to get it done. And it might take six games, seven games. I picked them in seven games here. Um, but what a what a series it's going to be. So, swig a beer for this series. Buckle up if you're planning on watching this one. And if you're not, shame on you for six weeks. (sighs) Pivoting over to talk about the uh, Florida Panthers and the Washington Capitals series. I mean, this series, I think, is a little more intriguing than people give it credit for or people are expecting. The Florida Panthers, they won two of the three games in the regular season. The Capitals picked up a point in overtime, but the goal scoring was dead even. Uh, the three games, the goal scoring was Florida 13, Washington 12, uh, Florida won the president's trophy this year in the NHL, most points by any team for the first time in their history. Uh, they have not won a playoff series since 1996. So we talked about the, uh, Maple Leafs having a long drought Well, the Florida Panthers have not won a playoff series since 1996. I think they lost in the cup final that year and they averaged 4.11 goals per game, which is the most in the NHL since the 1996 Pittsburgh Penguins. And obviously, that's led by uh, Jonathan Huberdeau. He was right on Connor McDavid's heels. Uh, McDavid had a five-point night, I think, against the Penguins late in the season uh, to, to to capture the the Art Ross Trophy, the scoring title. But Huberdeau had 115 points. Alexander Barkov, Sasha Barkov, 39 goals, 88 points this year. Um, you know, I'm wondering if the the Cats, the Panthers, can overcome some shaky playoff goaltending. I mean, Bobrovsky. He's been really, really uh, up and down in his playoff career. Uh, the Penguins played him in Columbus a couple times. You know, he, he he just he doesn't have it sometimes. He comes up small, and honestly, I'm predicting that he gets pulled early in this series. And the Florida Panthers have to switch to Spencer Knight, their young phenom. In his second year, I think he's still technically a rookie. He only played four games in his rookie year. Um, but he was nine, three, and two this year with a 9.08 save percentage and a 2.79 goals against average. Doesn't jump off the paper at you in terms of stats, but he's got a lot of pedigree in terms of being a good prospect. And if Bobrovsky falters, I mean they got to pull the they got to pull the trigger and put that put Spencer Knight in because you can't let Bobrovsky you know just waste away this the way this season is gone for the Florida Panthers. The scoring, the way they play, uh, they have a run and gun style. Like it really could be exciting. The Panthers, they come at you in waves. Uh waves of offense, you know, fierce forechecking, they have a reckless abandon almost. I mean, it's organized chaos if you watch their games. A heck of a lot of fun to watch. Uh they're never out of it. Similar to what I talked about with Tampa and uh Toronto. I mean, they're never out of the games. I mean, they have 11 wins this year when trailing after two periods. Um, that's tied for third most in league history since 1967, and they have a 39.3% winning percentage when they're trailing after two. That's the fourth best ever in the NHL. So they're winning almost 40% of the time when they're trailing after the second period. Unbelievable stats. I mean, they're never out of a game. They've got unbelievable scores. They got some physicality. And Sam Bennett, I think he'll match up a little bit against uh, Tom Wilson in terms of the, you know the physicality piece of the series. And you know, is this the last hurrah for the Washington Capitals? Uh, I think the goaltending for them is a big issue. Uh, we'll see who who gets the net there, whether it's Vanacek or Simsonov. We'll see what happens. Uh, I think the the edge, obviously, in probably every statistical category and every category, if you just watch the games and have the eye test, goes to the Florida Panthers. Um, You know, Ovechkin had another 50-goal campaign this year. He had 90 points. You know, depth scoring, I think, could be the difference for, for Washington in this series. If they can get some scoring out of Anthony Mantha and Tom Wilson and Lars Eller and Connor Sherry, if they can get some points out of those guys, you know, we'll see what happens. I mentioned Sam Bennett. He's going to be matching up physically against uh, Tom Wilson, but Sam Bennett can also put the biscuit in the basket at 28 goals this year. Came over from uh, Calgary a couple years ago and has done nothing but flourish. Down there, but honestly, if you're a Capitals fan, I'm sorry to say it. Uh, what I'm about to say, but I got Florida Panthers in five games. Pretty quick work of the Washington Capitals. I just don't think they have it. You know, they they, they don't have what it takes to keep up with Florida. I think it's a bad matchup. Honestly, I would have rather had the Penguins meet uh, match up against Florida and let the Capitals match up against the Rangers. I think the Capitals could have ousted the Rangers uh, just the way they match up. But uh, in this case, I think the Florida Panthers are going to win this series in five games. So swig of beer for Florida. In my opinion, they're moving on. And now for the series everybody's been waiting for, the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Rangers. I'm so pumped. I'm so fired up. These two rivals, uh, they go back a long way. Adam Graves in 1992, Pepper and Lemieux in the wrist breaking his wrist, the Penguins going on to win that series, uh, the Penguins being up 3-1 to one in 2015 against the the Rangers, and Marty San Luis' mom passed away, he uh, played in her honor, ended up uh, bringing the Rangers all the way back from down 3-1, win the series in seven um, at in Pittsburgh, I believe, as well. And then obviously the Penguins got their revenge the next year in the first round, Chase Lundquist in five games, ended up winning the Stanley Cup that year. So a rivalry renewed here uh, in the regular season. The Rangers pretty much had their way with the Penguins. The Penguins won the first game, one nothing. Uh, the Rangers ended up winning the final three games. They locked it down defensively and suffocated the Penguins, really frustrated them. Um, offensively, Igor Shisterkin, unreal. He's going to win the Vezina Trophy. He's had the best season in the NHL this year for a goaltender. I still think Vasilevsky a better goaltender than him, but Shisterkin, uh, you know, he's no slouch, obviously. He comes over from the KHL, has an unbelievable impact on the Rangers, uh, helps their rebuild kind of turn around quickly, and now they're one of the best teams in the NHL. Uh, in those four games I talked about, the Penguins, they ended up winning the first game one nothing. like I said. They only scored one even-strength goal In the four games, they only scored four games total where the Rangers scored 11. Keep in mind, too, that in those games, Evgeny Malkin missed one and Sidney Crosby missed one as well. So take that for what you will. Uh, The teams, honestly, though, they're very even on paper. They both have elite talent up front, elite scoring talent Uh, for the Rangers. You look at Mika Zabenejad, Alexei Lafreniere. Uh, Artemi Panarin, Chris Kreider had 52 goals this year. His previous career high for Kreider was 28. So to pretty much double your career high output at his age, at like 31, 32, or whatever he is, is unbelievable. We'll see what he can do in the playoffs. I think he had 26 or 27 power play goals this year, a New York Rangers record. Um, Just unreal. And and, then you flip side to the Penguins. I mean, you obviously got Sidney Crosby and Malkin, Ricard Raquel, Jake Gensel at 40 goals this year. Um, You know, so... Just an unbelievable matchup, I think. Um, you know, the the big difference I think is obviously the Penguins' power play is brutal. They're nineteenth in the NHL. Uh, lots of guys missed time for them, like I mentioned before. You know, Malkin, Rust, Latang, Crosby, all those guys, Gensel were out for a little bit of time. Still, clicked at twenty point two percent. Doesn't sound terrible, but they're nineteenth in the NHL. And when you look at the Rangers, who are fourth in the NHL at twenty five point two percent, you kind of worry about it a little bit. But in the regular season, the Penguins had the fourth-best penalty kill in the NHL, and uh, both teams pretty much were very, uh, very stingy. Uh, didn't give up a lot of goals. They gave up a lot of chances, but goaltending was great, um, and, and the way they were able to battle and clear rebounds and things of that nature was very, very solid. Uh, the Penguins were fifth in goals allowed, and the Rangers were second in goals allowed. So we'll see. I think there's going to be um, you know, low-scoring games, tight goaltending, uh, obviously Igor Shesterkin has the advantage and for the Penguins, the big question mark is Tristan Jari's health. He's got a broken bone in his foot, uh, hasn't played. They had team picture day about a week or so ago and he couldn't even skate out to take the picture. They put him on a little cart and wheeled him out on the ice. So I don't know what that means. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Hopefully he can get back. Cause I don't trust Casey DeSmith at all. I still think the Penguins should have gone out and got a better goaltender. Maybe they go to Louis Domingue. Uh, who's coming off an injury as well? You know he comes up from from Wilkes-Barre, so we'll see what happens. Um, obviously, you got to give the you got to give the edge to the uh, New York Rangers in the goal crease. And I wanted to run through some stats a little bit. I talked about for the Rangers, Chris Kreider had 52 goals. Um, for the Penguins, he had Sidney Crosby had 84 points, Jake Gensel 84 points. And in the last game of the year, Jake Gensel passed up an empty net goal to win the scoring title for the team scoring title to pass it over to Brock McGinn. On an empty net, 2-on-0, and Brock McGinn just wired it about 10 feet high and wide. So Jake Gensel and Sidney Crosby ended up tying. Um, obviously, the team scoring really doesn't mean anything, but if you go by how the league determines who the winner would be, it would be Jake Gensel because he has more goals. He has 40 goals, whereas Sidney Crosby has 31 goals. Um, I mentioned Letang had 68 points, a career high. And, you know, the, the like these teams are loaded. On the blue line, you got Adam Fox for... Um, New York Rangers, one of the best young defensemen in the NHL, just an unbelievable talent. I look for him to have a huge impact. Keandre Miller for the uh, New York Rangers, he's had a hell of a season. So it's going to be tough for the Penguins. I mean, you got Latang, you got to have Dumoulin's got to step up. Dumoulin's been pretty bad in the last uh, you know two or three months. I would say. You know, I, I would expect he's probably not going to be a Pittsburgh Penguin next year. That's my opinion. Marcus Pedersen's been in and out of the lineup, healthy scratched here and there. I mean, John Marino up and down. So outside of LeTang, there's been a lot of question marks on the Penguins' blue line. I will say Mike Matheson has been pretty solid, and i like to see him get some more minutes and, and chip in a little bit more offensively. Um, the one X factor I have for the Pittsburgh Penguins is Ricard Raquel. Uh, can he provide the spark and missing scoring piece that the Penguins have had for the last couple years? I think he can. You know, if I'm the Penguins, I'm putting Raquel with Crosby and Gensel, uh, put Russ with Malkin and Danton Heinen. I know they they, kind of teased that a little bit for a little while, and Raquel and Crosby, you know, they they synced up and had chemistry right away. I don't know why they broke them up. Um, I put them back together and let Russ play with Malkin. Hopefully Russ is healthy. He needs a contract this year too, so they could – benefit uh he could benefit both financially from the uh from a good season and obviously the team could benefit as well um if rust is able to put some put some pucks in the net because i want to say he's got like one or two goals in his last 20 games something like that he really tapered off the last part of the season that stat might be way off but i know he hasn't been contributing offensively as much as you know the penguins fans are used to him doing um doing so and teddy bluger my dog right now, my dog over here is having a bad dream. Hopefully it's not a bad dream about the Penguins losing to the New York Rangers. You all right, buddy? All right. He's good. He's good. Um, and Teddy Bluger, I mean, he's going to have a tough task. He's going to be asked to to D up, uh, you know, the team's best player, you know, try to keep Crosby away from the matchups and things like that. So Teddy Bluger is going to be out there against the Benajad um, you know, we'll see what he can do. In the last game of the year against Columbus, he was running around, he was fighting, he was getting penalties, he was, you know, laying the body, playing physical, getting to the getting to the goal crease, you know, disrupting uh, his buddy Elvis Merzlikins, his countryman. Um, but it it really showed me that I think Teddy Blueger is really going to try to, you know, I guess put a stamp on who he is as a as a defensive forward and really have an impact on this series. And I look for him to have an impact on it. I really do. Um, so we'll see what happens. You you know, I'm full of confidence in this team. I'm a little bit worried about Casey DeSmith. Hopefully Jari can get back or Louis Domingue can go in, but I would love Casey DeSmith to prove me wrong. And he has so far this year. He's played great. He's had some unbelievable saves, unbelievable games, kept the Penguins in it whenever they've gotten a little bit lackluster on defense or maybe a little bit careless with the puck. Uh, so we'll see. But I do think the Pittsburgh Penguins will win a big road game in Game 7 against the New York Rangers at Madison Square Garden and take the series in 7. So swig of, the, uh, swig of beer for the Penguins getting out of the first round for the first time in the last three years. It really pains me to say that, uh, that they haven't been out of the first round. But if they don't, some heads are going to roll with Fenway Sports Group uh, coming in the new ownership group coming in here. And you never know if Mike Sullivan could be out. Uh, they already had David Morehouse, their CEO stepped down. Um, so we'll see. And they, obviously they got Malkin and Latang and rust uh, need contracts. So if they don't end up getting out of the first round, you know, we'll discuss that over the next couple of weeks after the playoffs are over and see, you know, what happens uh, with, with the penguins core, because if they don't win, then, you know, what's the point, honestly, of keeping them together because they're only going to get older and they're only going to get worse. So if they can't win now, you know we'll see what happens. So swig a beer for the Penguins, but they're getting it done in seven, getting back to the second round. Let's go. In the last series in the Eastern Conference playoffs, the Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes, the third time in the last four years that these two teams have met where Boston won the first two. But this time, Carolina has home ice advantage. Uh, get this stat, though. Carolina, they won all three games against Boston this year in the regular season. They outscored them 16 to 1. 16 to 1 in those three games. Unbelievable what Carolina is able to do scoring wise and how they're able to stifle defensively. Jacob Slavin, unbelievable defenseman. Um, you know, Freddie Anderson, I talked about him, had a hell of a year. We'll get into his stats here in a minute. Um, I got I got to point out though that one of the losses for Boston in those 3 came when they were without their top center Patrice Bergeron, their captain, and their top left winger Brad Marchand, probably their best player. Uh, another one of those defeats uh came when veteran goalie Tuukka Rask, he decided to make a comeback midway through the season after he was, you know, alleged to retire and hadn't played all season. Um, his second game back, before he ended up retiring again, he gave up five goals in one period his second game back, and that was one of the games against Carolina. So obviously that inflates the numbers a little bit. Uh, they've got Linus Allmark and, and Jeremy Swayman in the goal crease now, and I think Swayman's a better goaltender. We'll see uh, what happens there. But I think this, this series is going to be fun to watch. Uh, the Boston Bruins have been one of the best 5-on-5 teams since January 1st. They've really gelled off offensively. I mean, Jake DeBrusk, he's having a breakout year this year, and he asked for a trade in the offseason. He wanted out of Boston. But whatever the case is, I don't think they ever said what it was, but I think he wanted a fresh start. Yeah, He had five goals uh, before the new year this year. was really struggling. Uh, Boston Bruins fans were booing him on him because he had requested a trade and wasn't producing. Maybe they thought he was loafing, whatever the case is. Since New Year's, he's got 20 goals. He's been on, on an absolute tear, just playing well. So good for him. Hopefully he gets his trade. You know, everything I've read basically says that he still wants to be traded no matter what happens. Even if he got 50, 60, 70, 80 goals, it doesn't fucking matter. He wants traded. Uh so that doesn't say that doesn't say too much about Boston. But again, I, I hate Boston. And it's a shit town and a shit sports city. So sorry if you're a Boston Bruins fan, but that's the way I see it. So uh hopefully Jake DeBrus gets the hell out of there. Um, and obviously Patrice Bergeron, he's been in and out of the lineup. He's one of the best defensive forwards, um, in NHL history. I've talked about that, you know, but he's got to stay healthy. He can't stay healthy. He's always injured. He's always banged up. He's always playing at, you know, 60, 70% health. So we'll see what he can do. It appears he's a, a, as good a health as he has been the last couple of years right now, heading into the playoffs. So that's great news for the Boston Bruins and, and Hampus Lindholm, Hampus Lindholm has been in all and just an unbelievable revelation for them. He's come in from Anaheim in a trade, stepped right in, got a big contract extension, and has really helped out that blue line with Charlie McAvoy, who's just been hammering guys. Uh, I never realized how physical Charlie McAvoy is, but he's a hell of a player. Uh, he lays the body like crazy, cont- uh, contributes offensively um, you know, to the, to the way the Bruins play, and their team's playing really, really well right now. Uh on the on the flip side, the Carolina Hurricanes, Sebastian Aho, their best player at 37 goals this year. Uh Andre Svechnikov had 30 goals this year. Um so we'll see. I mean, they got some they got some really, really good depth. A Nino Niederreiter, uh Vincent Trochek. They've got a hell of a team, Carolina does. So it's going to be a great matchup. I think Boston's a little bit top heavy. Um they've tried to split up the Marchand, Bergeron. And Pasternak line at times this year. I think they'll keep them together in the playoffs. I would at least if I was their coach, Bruce Cassidy. But honestly, you know, I'm not. I'm not sure what they've got. They got Eric Hall at second line center. Um, I know Mike Grinnell for Spitting Chicklets always talks about how he's the best second line center. He's obviously trolling, uh, but he's having a hell of a second half of the season. I would have loved the Penguins to get Eric Hall a year or so ago. Uh, I think he could fit right in, maybe a little bit better than Jeff Carter right now. Uh, for the Penguins, a little faster, a little younger, better scoring touch. But um, the Bruins, they got to get some scoring from their bottom two lines. And I'm not sure they're going to get it. Uh, I mentioned Jeremy Swayman and Linus Allmark. They basically have no playoff experience whatsoever. And Freddie Anderson on the other side for Carolina. Uh, He's had some playoff experience with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but never won a series. Obviously, this is his first year in Carolina. He had a season of 35 wins, 14 losses, and three overtime losses, a 9.22 save percentage, and 2.17 goals against average. But the bad news, if you're a Carolina Hurricanes fan, is he got banged up late in the season. He's not even skating yet as of the time of this recording. So we'll see what happens. Uh, The backup for for, uh, Carolina, Antti Ranta, he's banged up as well. Every time he gets a chance to play, he gets banged up. Anytime the starter gets injured, whether he was in, you know, Uh, Arizona and now in Carolina every time that he gets a chance to to play and the workload increases a little bit for him he ends up getting banged up so you feel for him but uh, big questions in net for Carolina they've had a hell of a season they've got high expectations Rod Brendamore their coach um, just unbelievable what he's done uh, since he got there high expectations for this team but he ain't going nowhere if you don't have solid goaltending so we'll see what happens with them Uh, big questions in net for the Carolina Hurricanes, just like the Pittsburgh Penguins. And we'll talk about the Nashville Predators here in a minute or in a similar predicament. But my prediction, I think uh, if Freddie Anderson returns, it might be quicker. But regardless, I got Carolina in six games. So swig a beer for the Canes, ousting the Boston Bruins, and making the rest of the NHL world happy that Boston won't be any longer in the playoffs. So swig a beer for them. Now we're going to pivot over to the Western Conference. Uh, we're going to start with the one-seeded Colorado Avalanche. They're taking on the Nashville Predators. Honestly, I don't have a lot to say about this one um, other than Azam Kadri is looking to, to win a round for the first time ever. He's been a huge surprise for the Colorado Avalanche since coming over from Toronto, and obviously he's going to win a, f- a first-round series for the first time ever since he came from Toronto, but he had 28 goals this year. But if you look at this Avalanche lineup, Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen. I mean, you've got Gabriel Landeskog's been out. He's coming back off of surgery soon. Their captain, unbelievable player. They're just a loaded lineup. I mean, Darcy Kemper, we'll see what he can do in net, but I think he's going to be he's going to be great. Um, obviously with Kale McCarr and Samuel Girard and uh, Eric Johnson, a lot of those guys. I mean, even Jack Johnson is on this team, and he can't bring them down. That's how loaded they are. Um the Nashville Predators, they had huge seasons from Roman Yossi. He had 96 points as a defenseman, the first defenseman to go over 90 points since Ray Bork in 1994. Matthew Shane. Out of nowhere, similar to uh, Chris Kreider a little bit. I mean, he's had, he he has more upside offensively than Chris Kreider, um, just over the course of his career. He's been a playmaker and a goal scorer, but never to this, uh, you know, this, this amount. He had 43 goals and 43 assists this year and just crazy. And, And, you know, able to find his scoring touch, I think able to find a good fit for himself after being in Colorado. This is kind of a revenge game for Matthew Shane, a revenge series. So we'll see what happens if he comes to play or not because he was the the one of the first guys drafted in that core group uh with McKinnon and all those guys and Landis Cog over in Colorado and it just didn't work out. He ended up asking for a trade, he reported to camp. Um you know, it it was very awkward a couple of years ago after they had one of the most historically bad seasons of all time. I think they had like 48 points or something like that. Just absolutely ridiculously bad, and um, so a little bit of a revenge series for him. We'll see what happens, but he's he's coming in full of confidence, coming off a of forty three and forty three in terms of goals and assists season. So we'll see what happens there. And obviously, uh, Philip Forsberg, probably their best player. He had forty one goals this year, the first two Predators ever him and Matt Shane to get over forty plus goals in an NHL season. So pretty awesome to see that uh, if you're a Predators fan. And Tanner Janot, uh, the young guy. I, I want to say he's a rookie. Uh, I'm pretty sure he is. I think he qualifies for the Calder. He might be in his second year technically, but he didn't play enough games his first year. But he had 24 goals this year. That kid's a beast. He can play physical. I think he can possibly have a difference on this series. Um, but honestly, I'd give the edge to the avalanche in every facet of the game. Uh, also, like I said before, when we were talking about the Penguins in the, in the Carolina Hurricanes, when I mentioned the Predators, their goaltender, UC Saros, was 38-25-3 this year. Unbelievable. Uh, the stats he put up, he really propelled this team. Him and Roman Yossi and Duchesne and, and Philip Forsberg really drove the bus for this team to get to the playoffs where they're at to oust the, uh, or to hold off the Vegas Golden Knights uh, from the playoffs, thank God, F-Vegas. But uh, to hold them out of the playoffs and, and really get them to where they are, he's had a hell of a season, but he's out week to week. Uh, with a lower body injury. So a lot of goaltenders out right now. Uh, a lot of goalies that led their teams to the playoffs are out right now and not good for their teams, obviously. the You like to have your starting goalie in there. Um, he's a workhorse, UC Saros is, for the Nashville Predators. But honestly, I think the Avalanche have way too much talent, and I think this is going to be the only sweep of the first round. I say Avalanche in four. They make quick work in Nashville and send them back to Broadway for a couple beers over at Tootsie's. Swig of beer for the Avs. I only know of Tootsie's because I'm a country music fan and just, you know, being familiar with Nashville. I got to get down there. I haven't been down there in forever. Honestly, I I was there when I was a young kid. I went there to the Grand Ole Opry for my grandparents' 50th uh, wedding anniversary. I don't even know when that was. It's got to be like 15, to 16 years uh, ago now. So got to get back to Nashville. Uh, Hell of a time. Anybody out there that is a buddy of mine that's getting married pretty soon or planning on getting married, how about you have your uh your bachelor party down there in Nashville? It'd be great to get down there. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna selfishly suggest that you pick Nashville for your uh bachelor party. Um the next series in the Western Conference has a lot of intrigue, uh similar to the way the Toronto Maple Leafs, they gotta get over the hump here. The Edmonton Oilers, they're uh hosting the Los Angeles Kings. So the Los Angeles Kings, they remind me a little bit of the um, Pittsburgh Penguins in 2007. You know, they were a little bit ahead of schedule, weren't quite ready. Uh, The Kings have so many young, talented prospects and players that are playing right now and getting valuable minutes. Uh, They're going to get valuable experience as well, playing at least four games in the playoffs against the Edmonton Oilers and having to take on McDavid and Dreisaitl. And speaking of those two, McDavid and Dreisaitl combined for 99 goals and 231 points this year. Let me give that to you one more time. 99 goals and 231 points this year. Connor McDavid, he picked up the Art Ross Trophy for most points in the NHL for the fourth time in his seven seasons in the NHL. And on top of that, Evander Kane, we've talked about him a lot, but he had a hell of an impact on this team. He jumped right in on uh, Connor McDavid's wing. 22 goals this year. Unbelievable on his wing, unbelievable on the power play. Had a hat trick the other night. Uh, McDavid just making it look easy out there. They took three of the four games against the Kings this year. Um, the Kings are top 10 in the NHL in goals against, but the attack from the Oilers with McDavid and Drysettle and Kane, and you got Tyson Berry on the back end, um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, you know, just it's going to be difficult to stop. The Oilers obviously have big questions in net. Uh, Mike Smith. He's found his game the last few months, but he's been known to kind of go on a little bit of a freezer in the playoffs. Other than 2012, I think he led the Arizona Coyotes to the Western Conference Final, um, and he played well. Smitty, he played well, but the last couple of years he's kind of been up and down a little bit. Uh, obviously, Miko Koskinen can't be trusted at all. I'm sure they'll split the net a little bit if if somebody plays bad. That's what'll happen. You know, when you got two goalies, you got no goalie. Uh, in my opinion, other than like when you have um, you know, a one a and a clear one B, you know what I mean? Like these two guys are basically like barely in the NHL, if you ask me And and probably just because there's 32 teams and there's not a lot to pick from Mike Smith. He's old. Miko Koskinen got a huge contract from Peter Shirelli. So he kind of handcuffed the Edmonton Oilers, uh, Peter Shirelli, one of the worst general managers in, in national hockey league history. Um, so we'll see what happens there. He's eh, Mike Smith, I think he's going to get to start uh, game one. He's been rounding into form, like I said, so maybe he'll prove me wrong and prove a lot of people wrong. But I still think goaltending is going to be the Achilles heel here for the Edmonton Oilers. And, and I think they're going to get through round one. I'll give my prediction in games here in a second, but I don't know how they're going to get through round two or get to a you know conference final or a Stanley Cup final with those two guys, Koskinen and Smith in the goal crease. For L.A., though, it's tough because no Drew Dowdy. Uh, their best defenseman, Um, Darnell Nurse, though for the Oilers is also out as well with a lower body injury, his knee. Um, you know it's going to be cool to see because Dustin Brown, uh, you know another American player. He's the he was the captain of the L.A. Kings. He got his captaincy stripped. They gave it to Anze Kopitar a few years back. Um, he announced his retirement after this season. Um, so it's pretty cool to see. We'll see what happens. Maybe he's going to play. The team will rally around him a little bit. He's going to play for his career here, his legacy. Uh, he's won two Stanley Cups. He captained both of those Stanley Cups, I believe. Uh, hell of a player. Kind of fell off a little bit. His body kind of failed him. He always played a physical style. And one thing I want to say, though, is Anze Kopitar. He's one of the coolest guys in the NHL. Um, Just one of the most respected guys. He, like I mentioned, he replaced Dustin Brown as the captain a few years ago. Uh, Don't need to get into the details. It happens from time to time. Similar thing happened to Joe Thornton in San Jose. He was a captain for a long time. They stripped it off him and gave it to Joe Pavelski, even though Thornton was still on the team. And the last regular season game in L.A., Anze Kopitar elected to wear the alternate Captain A on his sweater and give Dustin Brown the C back for his last regular season game. So pretty cool. Swig a beer for Anze Kopitar and Dustin Brown, but more importantly, Anze Kopitar for being a hell of a teammate. Great guy, great captain. So swig a beer for him. With that being said, though, this is the year for McDavid and Drysdale to get over the hump, similar to Matthews. I'm picking them to win this series. I'm picking them to go on a little bit of a run, I think. Um, you know, I, I think their speed and skill is just too much for the Los Angeles Kings right now. And unless Jonathan Quick and the goal crease, another American born player, uh, stands on his head, this series could be over quick, and I expect it will be. The Edmonton Oilers in five games. That's my opinion. So swig a beer for McDavid and the Oilers for advancing in the second round, as far as I'm concerned. Another series in the Western Conference that I'm pretty interested in is the Calgary Flames and the Dallas Stars. The Calgary Flames, they went 2-0-1 this year against Dallas. And Dallas, they're the only team in the NHL playoffs, either east or west, that has a negative goal differential, meaning they've given up more goals than they've scored as a team. Uh, pretty crazy to hear that. I mean, they score a ton of goals, but they give up a lot. They had some questions in the in the goal crease and Jake Ottinger in net, Ben Bishop in net, Anton Hudobin in net. Um, they made some trades with the coyotes. The guy, the goaltender's name escapes me right now. I want to say it's uh Wedgwood. Uh, could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is or who he is. Uh, so they got a lot of questions to, to kind of answer there in the goal crease. And obviously it's haunted them a little bit, uh, throughout the season, but they made the playoffs and now it's a clean slate. Anything can happen. Um, Calgary, they're the best Canadian team in the NHL, probably the second-best Western team um, outside of Colorado. In my opinion, they had 50 wins this year. Their top line, Johnny Goudreau, Elias Lindholm, and Matthew Kachuk all had 40 goals each at least. I would love to know the last time that happened. I didn't get a chance to look it up. Any listener out there that can look that up for me and let me know, that'd be great. But three 40-goal scorers all happen to play on the same line, the best line in hockey in my opinion. If you're a Calgary Flames fan or an upper-level management, you got to be a little bit concerned because both Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk are restricted free agents this year. Uh, Definitely going to get their money. They're having a hell of a time to have a career season. I think Johnny Goudreau had 115 points. Um, Matthew Kachuk had over 100 points as well. So they're peaking at the right time. They're going to get paid, especially when you look at some of the other guys that are getting paid in the NHL. But we'll break that down in the offseason whenever that time comes. So we'll see what happens there. Um, They've replaced on defense Mark Giordano, their longtime captain. He won a Norris Trophy in Calgary. Uh, He was selected by Seattle in the expansion draft and ultimately traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs, so he's in the playoffs as well. But they've replaced him with Noah Hannafin having a hell of a season in Rasmus Anderson, a revelation for this team, Uh, playing very, very well in front of their Vezina finalist, goaltender in my opinion, Jacob Markstrom. 37 wins, 15 losses, 9 overtime losses – 2.22 2.22 goals against 92.2% save percentage. I can't believe Vancouver let him go. I can't believe Edmonton let him go to their arch rival, the Calgary Flames, and didn't throw more money at him, but credit to Calgary for getting him. He's really set them over the top. And uh, On the flip side for the Dallas Stars, Jason Robertson. He's been unbelievable. 41 tucks this year in his second year. Uh, just unbelievable. Nobody saw this guy coming and how offensively talented and gifted he is and how he's been able to translate his game to the NHL level. Rupe Hints, 37 Goals. Joe Pavelski still humming. Uh, he's, he's what, 36, 37 years old now. I mentioned him. He was the captain of the San Jose Sharks. He's now in Dallas. He's playing well. One of the best uh, deflectors of the puck and best net front presences ever in NHL history. Um, so, the one thing about Dallas, though, is their best highest paid players, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, they're really struggling. Uh, they need to get going. Uh, if they can get going, I think they can make some noise in the playoffs and they might be. They might you know, be a tough out for Calgary because without those guys going in the regular season, the Stars were already second in goals scored and second in power play percentage in the whole NHL. So think about it. If they can get Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, those guys going and like they used to be going, you know, that could be trouble. It could be trouble, trouble, trouble if you're a Calgary Flames fan. But at the end of the day, I think Calgary gets the job done. I think it's a tight series, tighter than most people think, and I think Calgary wins this one in seven games. So swig a beer for the Calgary Flames. And finally, the last series in the playoffs for the first round, the St. Louis Blues and the Minnesota Wild, a central division matchup. And St. Louis surprisingly won all three matchups this year with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, who also, just like Jake DeBrusque, I talked about with Boston, he also requested a trade in the offseason, had some... uh, you know differences of opinion with the medical staff and things like that. He had a couple uh surgeries that he didn't think went well, or maybe they didn't do things right or whatever the case may be. But that seems to be behind him. He's having a hell of a season leading the team in scoring Robert Thomas, Pavel Buchnevich, uh Jordan Cairo, all having unreal seasons for St. Louis. They might be the best built team from top to bottom, in- inclusive of defense. If you ask me, you got Justin Falk, Tori Krug on the blue line, um, you know, pretty much a lot of the same team that they had in 2019 when they, were, they won the Stanley Cup and they were led by the factor, Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, what a hell of a player he is. Great centerman, great faceoff, great defensive player. I love to have him on the Penguins. Uh, on the flip side, the Minnesota Wild, Kirill Kaprizov, one of the most exciting young players in the NHL. Uh, you got to watch this kid play. If you'd asked me five years ago, and you weren't in a you weren't a hockey fan, and you asked me a team that you should watch. The last team I would have told you to watch is the Minnesota Wild. That's completely changed now. They're one of the most exciting teams in the NHL. They're so fun to watch. I think this series is going to be great. Caprizov this year, hundred plus points in his second NHL season coming out of the KHL. The Wild have six players over twenty plus goals. Kevin Fiala, an unbelievable breakout season. I want to see what, or I would wonder what his uh, contract situation is he came over from Nashville a year or so ago this year 33 goals 52 assists 85 points unbelievable season in 81 games over a point per game so uh tip your cap to him swig a beer for Kevin Fiala uh I wonder if that's a, a little bit of an outlier or he's going to keep growing here we'll see what happens but if you're a Minnesota Wild fan you got to like what you see from Fiala and obviously from Kaprizov and like I said six guys on your team over 20 plus goals that's a recipe for success if you ask me In the goal crease for Minnesota, too, at the trade deadline I talked about, they picked up Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, having the uh, rotation between him and Cam Talbot has been unreal this season. They've been so great. They've been alternating games. I don't know what their plan is, uh, what Dean Evison, their their coach, is going to do in the in the playoffs here. You typically want to have a guy know he's going to play and kind of get in the rhythm. You don't want to keep jumping back and forth. But it's been working for them throughout the regular season. So we'll see what happens there. Uh but that was huge for, for Minnesota to get number 29, Marc-Andre Fleury. On the other side, it's been a little bit of a question mark for uh St. Louis. Jordan Bennington won a Stanley Cup. He came out of nowhere a couple of years ago, played a hell of a um, you know playoff run, ended up getting a big contract. Ever since then, he's kind of been he's left a little bit to be desired. Uh he's been up and down and up and down and up and down this year, more down than up, I would say. Uh Billy Huso usurped him as the uh the starter. And I think he's going to be the starter, and he's got a lot to prove. I think he's going to be the starter in the playoffs. We'll see what happens. Game one, uh, how how um, the Chief uh, Craig Barube, their coach, is feeling. You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I, if I were them, I'd go with Vili Huso. and then if he starts to struggle, you always know uh, Jordan Bennington could come in and potentially have no pressure on him and, and play really well, similar to how he did a couple years ago in 2019 when the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup. But honestly, this this matchup's dead even to me. You know, in my opinion, it's dead even. Both teams. They went on crazy streaks towards the end of the year. I think the Blues were 14 and two at one point late in the season. Um, and the way that the playoffs are, you know, set up to have division games in the first round, the prize for Minnesota, you know, being a wagon and St. Louis being a wagon is they get to play each other, and one of them is going to be out after the first round. Um, honestly, I know I see a lot of people too. Before I give my pick, I see a lot of people too online saying they should go back to the old one through eight. One through eight uh, playoff seeding and all that, and I agree they should go through. They should go to one through eight like the NBA does. The you know, whoever has the best record, most points, gets the one seed. Whoever has the eighth most points or be, the eighth best record gets the eighth seed. One plays eight, two plays seven, three plays six, four, four and five play each other. That's the way they should do it. That's not the way they used to do it, though. I think that's a misconception people have. They used to do one through eight but one, two, and three would be the division winners. So you could be a three seed, similar to how the Washington Capitals used to always be the three seed coming out of the Southeast division. And they and the Penguins were a four seed. Like, say, in 2009 when the Penguins won the Stanley Cup, they were a four seed, and the Capitals were a three seed. And the Penguins had, like, 20 more points than them or something, but it's just the way it worked out. So that's not what they used to do. They they didn't used to do one through eight exactly. They would do one, two, three at the division winners, and then you know four, five, six, seven, and eight would be based on points. So I, I agree. I think they maybe should change it back to or change it to the NBA model of one through eight, make it a little bit more rewarding to have a hell of a regular season. Like I mentioned, if you're St. Louis or you're Minnesota, you had one of the best regular seasons and you weren't better than Colorado because not many teams were. The only team better than Colorado was Florida, who won the president's trophy, and your first round matchup is against another team that's a wagon and you're possibly one and done when you're probably better than most of the teams that are in the playoffs. Um, so, but that's the way it goes. You got to play who's out there. You got to play the rules. Um, and, and every team goes through it. So again, my pick in this series might surprise you a little bit, but I'm going Minnesota in seven games. This is going to be, you know, outside of maybe Tampa and Toronto, this might be the best series, um, in the most exciting series. So I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, so I can't wait to see Caprizov just lighting it up in the postseason. So swig of beer from Billy Guerin, Ray Shero. Uh, two ex-Pittsburgh Penguins and uh, the Minnesota Wild for getting the job done, in my opinion. So let's go wild, baby. I mentioned at the top of the podcast, I uh, had a couple nuggets I wanted to talk about. I already talked about Dustin Brown with the LA Kings retiring. Tip my cap to Dustin Brown. Hell of a career. Another retirement, Ryan Getzlaff, one of the best players in the NHL over the last 15, 20 years. Played for the Anaheim Ducks. Drafted there, won a couple gold medals, won a Stanley Cup in 2007, had 282 goals, 737 assists, 1,119 points in 1,156 games. I think he's a Hall of Famer, Um, played his last game in Anaheim, had a hell of a final point. Just a uh, behind-the-back, no-look pass uh, over to Adam Henrique. What a goal that was. Um, He got a sweet gift from uh, his ex-teammate and and Anaheim Ducks legend, Timu Solani, and Anaheim Ducks looking like uh, it's not a golf cart, but it's almost like one of those Ranger-looking things, but off-road vehicles look pretty sick. So you can just tell everybody respects this guy in the NHL. Everybody loves this guy. People like playing with him. Hell of a player. Was about his business. So uh, swig a beer for Ryan Getzlaff. Hell of a career. It sucks to see these guys that I I grew up watching play when I was younger uh, start to retire. Um, but hell of a career, like I said, and his buddy, Corey Perry is still going down there in Tampa. And when he was asked about, um, Ryan guest you know, he pretty much was, was crying. So, um, you know, it, it was cool. It, it's, uh, you know, obviously they mean, these guys mean a lot to each other. They're teammates that grew up together. Uh, so swig a beer for those guys. And more importantly, swig a beer for Ryan guest hell of a career, man. Staying with retirement. Uh, Zdeno Chara, this fucking guy, 1,680 games, just an unbelievable career, won a Stanley Cup with Boston, uh, started out with the New York Islanders, uh, is now back with the Islanders, wrapping up his career, looks like he's going to retire, nothing's been officially announced yet, um, but he's been shaking hands with people after every game you know that he's not gonna play again in in the last game the other night he was shaking hands with the officials and coaches and all the other team um you know all the other opposing players on the opposite team uh so you can kind of see the writings on the wall, maybe he's gonna retire uh had the hardest shot in the n h l for a long time. I'd still have the record I think it's like a hundred and eight point three miles per hour, unbelievable career. Uh, tough to play against. I remember that 2013 playoff series, the, the Penguins and the Bruins that Ray and I always joke about, about bringing up that where the Penguins got swept. But uh, I just remember, you know, Chara being in Crosby's face. Crosby had a broken jaw at the time. Uh, just crazy. Crazy what he was able to do. He's so big. He changed the rules of the game. Um, just unreal. What a what a career for Zdeno Chara. Uh, never really liked him. Obviously, he was a Boston Bruin, but I respect the hell out of his career and what he's done. Uh, everybody always says in, in the NHL in, in interviews and things like that, he's a hell of a player, hell of a career, uh, hell of a guy, great teammate. Uh, most people you know love Zdeno Chara. So, swiggle beer for Zdeno. Hell of a career as well. And lastly, on the retirement front, obviously not confirmed, but I wanted to point out Keith Yandel. uh, Same thing with Char. looks like he's retiring. He was shaking hands with the Ottawa Senators the other night when uh, they played Philadelphia. And – Obviously, he's been at the center of some controversy recently because the Philadelphia Flyers decided to bench him and not let him get to 1,000 games straight played after he had played 989 straight games. It was weird to see him playing again. Like, if you're going to keep playing him, then why not just let him play the whole time? But we don't need to get into that. Swig of beer for Keith Yandel. Hell of a guy. Again, everybody loves Keith Yandel. Everybody talks about how he's one of the best teammates. A hell of a career, playing nine hundred and eighty-nine straight games in the NHL. Was defenseman's remarkable. Um, never won a Stanley Cup or anything like that, but had a hell of a career. Great offensive-minded defenseman. So a swig a beer for Keith Yandel as well. A couple other points on the podcast I wanted to point out before I, I wrap up here: um, the Vegas Golden Knights missed the playoffs. Thank God. Jack Eichel, I mean, the Buffalo Sabres fans are having their way with him, uh, just dummying him online. Uh, Tage Thompson for the Buffalo Sabres ended up getting 37 goals this year. He passed Jack Eichel's record. That was a franchise record for uh, Buffalo in the first year. Tage Thompson, a hell of a player, by the way. We'll see a lot more of him, I'm sure, in the future. Uh, He's a great player. But Jack Eichel, the Buffalo Sabres fans are loving it because Jack Eichel really hasn't shown up. Uh, the last couple of games, they were trying to get into a playoff spot. I think like four or five games in a row. Jack Eichel, he didn't even look like he played. He had zero goals, zero assists, zero shots, zero hits, zero penalty minutes, zero anything. Like It looked like he was just going through the motions out there, really didn't show up. Um, and honestly, I was so happy. And, and I saw some quotes from some uh, executives around the NHL basically were saying like their teams were watching the games and rooting against Vegas to miss the playoffs. Like it's a consensus around the NHL that most teams and most players don't like Vegas. They just don't like them. And I'm just going to sit here. I'm not one to gloat. I'm not one to say I'm right all the time. Um, you know, I'm just not like that, (laughs) but honestly, I hated Vegas from day one. I hated everything about it. They had such an entitled fan base. They had success right away. They didn't have to taste the heartbreak that every other fan base has had to taste forever. Uh, These stooges, these scumbags, they just think that everything's so easy to them. They get to the Stanley Cup final. They get dummied by the Washington Capitals in five games. They haven't sniffed anything close to that since, and I love it. Keep it coming. Fuck the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm sorry. If you're a Vegas Golden Knights fan, it's nothing personal against you. I just hate their organization. They treat their players like shit. They ran Marc-Andre Fleury out of town. Robin Lanner couldn't do anything this year. Obviously, he's banged up in and out of the lineup. They need a goaltender. Now what? Could have had a Marc-Andre Fleury. I'm not even a big Marc-Andre Fleury guy. And I see they did him wrong. They just went out. They try to collect hockey cards. Their owner, he goes against Jack Eichel. He gets Mark Stone. He gets Alex Petrangelo. Guys they don't even really need. I mean, Mark Stone, they need, he's a great player, but Eichel and Petrangelo, they didn't need him. They already had a team that went to the Stanley Cup final. Did they overachieve? Yeah, they probably did. But you add a couple pieces, you don't gut the team. I mean, the team's not even close to what it was whenever they were hungry and they were the misfits and they were the people that were you know shunned by their original organizations and stuff like that. You lost that. You lost that, Vegas, and everybody hates you now. And I hated you from day one. And I'm going to continue to hate you. I can't wait to see you guys lose and lose and lose. Imagine trying to pull a Tampa Bay and putting an NHL record seven guys on the long term injury reserve to try to circumvent the salary cap and still missing the playoffs. Still missing the playoffs. Pound sand Vegas. Eat shit. You guys are brutal. I'm tired of it. I'm so tired of hearing about all oh, Vegas this Vegas that the environment. Yeah, piss off. Win a hockey game. Win something. They were like on a list of like one of the most demoralized fan bases or something like that. What? Give me a break, dude. They've been around for like, you know, a cup of coffee and they're out here acting like they have it so bad. Look at teams like Washington that waited 50 years to win a Stanley Cup. St. Louis same thing. How many teams in the NHL haven't won a Stanley cup and Vegas is going to sit here and act like they deserve it. Nah, not on my watch. I'm done with Vegas. I hated them since day one. I knew they were a fraud stooge organization. They won't win piss on Vegas. That's all I got to say. And I'm with the San Jose sharks jumbotron guy. He put out like a big, uh, you know, I don't even want to read it right now. You can go look it up. I'm sure you saw it online. We could probably post it. My social media manager, a.k.a. my wife, could post it on the Rambling Brews podcast, uh, Instagram, at Rambling Brews, uh, at Rambling Brews podcast on Instagram, at Rambling Brews on Twitter. She could post it. Basically, he, like, put up a, a kind of like a little, I guess, a little paragraph that was kind of trying to encourage the Sharks fans to cheer. But if you read the first letter of every single word, it spelled out, fuck the Knights. That's how you know. And that's how you know that they're just a stooge organization. People don't love them. They don't like them. Outside of Vegas, we want to see them lose. So swig a beer for anybody else that thinks like me, that agrees with me, or any team that's playing Vegas on any given night, I'm rooting for you. Last thing I mentioned in the intro was uh, Kenny Pickett. Getting drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think he's gonna uh, be okay. You know, I, I initially I was a little bit upset. I thought they should have went Malik Willis, uh, the quarterback out of Liberty. Surprised that Malik Willis ended up dropping to the third round. We'll see what happens with that. I'm sure stuff will come out about that. You know, whether it was his draft interviews or his his film or his um, you know pro days, combine, whatever the case is. I'm not like too into the. Uh, NFL draft. I know Mel Kiper, the guy on NFL. Or I mean, I'm sorry, on ESPN. He gets paid year round to do that, and he does a lot of scouting and everything. And he tells you exactly who's going to get picked, when and where. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, it's all bullshit because he got six out of thirty two picks right this year in the draft in the first round. So I'd love to have that kind of percentage accuracy and still have my job. But um, we'll see what Kenny Pickett does. You know, obviously Kenny Pickett. He came from Pitt. He played five years at Pitt. Um, and I think that, you know, that helps him out a little bit. He's the most pro ready quarterback right now, probably in the NFL draft, but maybe has the least upside from everything I've seen, just because he's probably not going to get much better than he already is, which is fine. If he ends up being good and he ends up you know playing well and fitting into the sealer system, they've got a lot of young guys. They've got Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth. Uh They ended up drafting that guy. I can't remember his name from Georgia. He's got a lot of baggage. Um, a lot of off the field attitude type issues, which I'm sure the Steelers need. They don't have any. They haven't had any of that recently uh, with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and all those guys. Martavis Bryant. Um, so we'll see what happens with all that. I'm excited for Pickett. The Pickett era has begun. He's going to battle with Mitch Trubisky uh, for the quarterback job. Uh, I can't see how he doesn't get it. To be honest with you, they they took a first round pick at 20 overall to take him. Uh, and you know, with Pitt fans, they were so excited for about 30 seconds on uh, on Twitter because right after that their uh their best wide receiver, the guy that won the Bulitnikov Award, the best wide receiver in the uh in college football, I believe his name is uh, Jordan Allison. He ended up, uh, I guess he's going to USC now because they got that uh, name, image, and likeness deal where you can basically go make money wherever you want. The teams that have the most money can throw the most money at you, and you go play wherever, and you don't have to sit out a year. So Pitt fans are very upset about that. Uh, Jordan Allison, best wide receiver in the, in college. He probably looked at his his uh his team and said, you know what? My, my quarterback who was a Heisman trophy finalist was the first quarterback taken in the NFL draft 20th overall by Pittsburgh. Uh, The Steelers is gone and maybe I'll go and I'll, I'll go play with Caleb Williams over there at USC. You transfer from Oklahoma. I think that's his name, Caleb Williams, but a stud prospect. He he left with Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma, went over to USC. They're going to get a lot of prospects, a lot of talent over there at USC. That program is going to be back uh, them in Texas, And, um, you know, Oklahoma will still be good. Obviously, Alabama. I mean, it's just the way college football is now. It's the top five, six, seven, eight teams are the only teams that really are worth the shit watching. The rest of the teams, I don't even know what they're playing for. And Pitt falls in that category. Um, I don't see why Pitt fans are so upset. Uh, These guys aren't able to go to the – I mean, I, I get it. I get it. I shouldn't say that. I get it. You're upset because like you're you know, one of your best players is leaving and you feel betrayed. But honestly, he's gotta do what's best for him. If he's able to get more money and able to get more playing time or more reps or uh play with better players at a different program, like USC, one of the most historical programs in college football history, uh you gotta tip your cap to him and let him go. You know, he had his time at Pitt. He played well, obviously won the Blitnikoff Award. He's already on the radar of NFL, you know, scouts. He's gonna get to the NFL no problem, as long as he doesn't get hurt, knock on wood for him. Um, but as a West Virginia fan, you got to love it. Um, but honestly, I get it. It happens to every team It's the way, uh, college football is now with the name, image and likeness, the NL NIL stuff. So we'll see what happens with that. We'll see what happens with, if they make any changes to the process. And i love to get, uh, my buddy, Matt Presto on to talk about, it. he's a Pitt fanatic. I've already reached out to him, uh, to see if he wants to come on the podcast. So we'll see if we can work that out. Talk a little bit about the NIL and pit football and college football in general, um, so we'll see what happens there. So swig will be here for Jordan Allison doing what's best for him. Best for his family, best for his career and, uh, you know, eat shit pit. And on that note, grab some cold cores, light, grab your fan door, your draft Kings, your bar stool, whatever the case is, make some bets on my picks. They're going to win. But if you lose, do not hold it against me. I respect the hell out of you guys for listening. Thank you so much. And remember, if I don't see you around here, I'll see you around. Here.
1: Bring us nothing.